Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning. The last Sunday of Last year, I do, did something that no good preacher ever does. Oh, sorry. That no good preacher ever admits to doing. And I pulled out an old sermon that I first preached or unpacked exactly 10 years ago in 2009. And it was simply called First Things First, where I encourage you as our church community or those visiting, those watching, listening to this recording, to put first things first as we look to start a new year. Today, I'm going to finish off that four-part series uh, by looking at the four, fourth point. Essentially, what we did is we read some scriptures that speak about doing something first of all. So, we started with Matthew, where Jesus himself speaks. We know that because it's in red. And he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I said that to summarize that in one word, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom and to seek first his righteousness? Well, in one word to me, that means to seek first Jesus. Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. You can't seek first God's kingdom. The kingdom, the king's domain, doesn't exist unless the king's there. That's what the kingdom is. It's the rule and reign of the king. So to seek God's kingdom is to seek, first and foremost, Jesus himself. Be where the king is. To seek first His righteousness is not to seek first to live righteously, as important as that is, but His righteousness, the New Testament teaches us, is a gift that God gives to us. In the Gospel, God's righteousness is revealed and it is given to us by faith. So to seek first His righteousness is to seek first Jesus, because 1 Corinthians says He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness, holy, holiness and redemption. Chad, how righteous are you? Jesus. How righteous are you? How holy are you? How redeemed? Jesus. Because Jesus is my righteousness. He is the gift of righteousness that I received. So one day, if and when I stand before the throne room of God, I, and I'm asked to give an account as to why should I be allowed entrance into the most holy place, I'll have one word on my lips and it'll be Jesus. That's why. He is the King of the Kingdom and He is God's righteousness. To seek first the King of the Kingdom is to put first the person of Jesus to seek Him above all else. Secondly, we looked at a proverb and Malcolm preached on this a couple of weeks ago that says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the world's spring of life. I would encourage you at the start of this year to seek first, above all, Seek first the protection of your heart. We seek first Jesus because he is an awesome king that we want to be with, but we also acknowledge that there is an enemy out to get us. There are things that are out to rob us. He is the one that gives life and life abundantly, but there is one who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so it's important we protect our heart because it's from our heart that the wellspring of life comes. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Number three, Aaron spoke last week about just how much she loves people. Do you remember that? Do you remember her getting up here and saying, I love people? Okay, she used a different word to love. 
But we see in Paul's letter to Timothy where he says, above all, above all, above all, that's what we're looking at, first things, above all, I want you to pray for all people because God wants all people to be saved and to know him because God gave his son to die for all people. All people are precious to God. All people are precious. And so putting first things first is saying, Lord, I want to see the preciousness of people. Pursue the person of Jesus. I want to be aware of protecting my heart. But I also want to see the value in other people. Because Christianity is not just about me and God. It's about me demonstrating the nature of God to others. I want to see how other people are precious. And the first, the fourth point comes from a passage in 2 Peter 1. So if you can find 2 Peter chapter 1, today I want to speak to you about the privilege of partnership. The privilege of partnership. Good morning. 2 Peter 1 verse 20. I want to start at the end of that chapter and read verse 20 and 21. I want to encourage you this year, and I'm going to kind of come back to this maybe at the end. But one thing I want to encourage you this year to do is if you don't already, to bring your Bible to church. I'm writing a book at the moment on how to correctly handle the word of truth. And I've done this whole bit in there that you've never heard me teach before about how to choose a translation or what kind of Bible you should have. And my pitch is basically you should have four different Bibles. And I'm not going to give any clues away yet as to what that is. I might share that with you another day. But one of the Bibles you need to have is one that is really, you are really well acquainted with, a well-worn Bible. An old pastor friend once said to me, I, I said, look, I'm thinking about changing translations. What do you suggest? And he said, well, it doesn't really matter. But he said, one thing I've learned, Chad, is that you can have a whole bunch of weapons in your cabinet, but when it comes to fighting an enemy, make sure there's at least one sword that you are really familiar with. Have one Bible that you are really acquainted with. And I've got stacks of Bibles, okay? Uh, but there's one that I really know well and it's the one that I underline it's the one that I circle it's the one that I highlight it's the one that I squiggle in it's the one that I have notes in it's the one where I don't know where a verse is I don't know what book or chapter it's in but I do know it's on the left hand side and the right hand column at the bottom in green highlighting with a circle around one word that's the verse I want right now and so I actually feel one of the Bibles we should have one of the four Bibles we should have is a very familiar one to you and if that one you bring to church with you it means that if you ever get some good quality preaching and teaching from this pulpit you can write notes down and circle things if God speaks to you you can you are allowed to write in your Bible okay permission granted okay <laughs> permission granted do that but for those of you who don't we're going to put it on the screen 2 Peter 1 and verse 20 says this above all above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, while they were human, spoke from God as they were carried along by Holy Spirit. Above all, I want you to understand the significance of what took place when men spoke things that God was saying. Above all, I want you to understand that God has chosen to cooperate and partner with people in his plans and his processes. See, God can speak whichever way he darn well chooses, thank you very much. If he wants a mountain to burn and a, and a cloud to come down and wants to thunder the Ten Commandments so a whole a, a, a multitude of people hear him at once, he can do that. He's God. Permission granted. 
If he wants to have a hand that appears from the spirit realm and comes and writes on a clay wall a message that someone can understand, he can do that if he wants. He's God. Free pass. If he wants to speak through angels or if he wants to speak through a donkey, he can do that. And God still speaks through donkeys today. The most common way that God uses to communicate his purposes on the earth is by using people just like you is by speaking through people. God has chosen in His sovereignty to partner with people in His purposes and to partner with people who, co- who are willing to cooperate with Him, who are willing to be carried along by Him to see an, an impossible thing take place. God chooses to use people. God chooses to use people and it is a privilege to enter into partnership with Him. My job here today is to try to encourage you to take him up on the invitation to be his partner. To see that it is a privilege and to see it as a priority in your life. To say, you know what, one of the first things first, above all, I understand that the way God works is he works through people and I want to be one of them. I want to be one of them. I want to see a partnership as a privilege. <laughs> he invites me. But I also want to see it as a priority. That actually doing what God's doing, saying what he's saying, getting involved with his agenda... That's important to me. I want that to be a priority for me. I want to, above all, pursue the person of Jesus. I understand I have an enemy, so I'll protect my heart. I understand that my life's not just about me. I want to see the value in people, but I also want to be someone who partners with God. So both the first point and the last point, book in this beautiful, book end, this wonderful thing about having God first and seeing how that manifests in our life. Does that make any sense to you? So I want to talk about that today. But you know, for me... My style is not just to go off one verse. It's not really enough Bible for me. I know some preachers, that's all they do, but I can't really handle it. So what I'm going to do today is I actually want us to read the whole chapter of Second Peter together because if there's one thing I've learned about correctly handling the Scriptures, it's that context is king. Context is king. There's three rules of hermeneutics, three rules of correctly handling the Bible, and it's sim- that those three rules are simply these. Context, context, context. All right, you take a text out of its context, and all you're left with is a con. <laughs> or you are vulnerable to being cons. Someone once said you leave, have a text out of its context, and you have a pretext. It's a false belief that you can make any argument you want. Well, you're in too, too intelligent for that, so I want to treat you like intelligent people and read this whole passage of Scripture together. And one thing, as I said, I want to come full circle at the end of the today because one of the things I want to encourage you to do at the start of this year, as I did this week last year, is I want to encourage you to read the Bible through in a year, in 2019. I did it for the first time last year. And I think I should have a certificate or something because I feel like uh, those of us who did it, there's a few of us who read through the Bible together this year. I'm like, surely I get a stamp or a smelly sticker or something. It was awesome. I'd like for you to read through the Bible this year and I'm going to talk about that again at the end. But here we go. Let's look at the scriptures together. 2 Peter 1, from the top. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Gee, I wish I had faith like the early apostles. I 
I'm writing to you who've received a faith that's as precious as mine, Peter says. Verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you like the sound of that? Grace and peace in abundance. Abundance means more than you need. Abundance means he always overflows, he always overflows, he always overflows, okay? Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Some of your translations use the word multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied for you. When Jesus said to Paul the Apostle, my grace is sufficient for you, he didn't mean, oh, my grace will do. My grace is enough. No, my grace is more than enough. My grace is abundant. God is not El Chipo, the God of just enough. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Okay? He is the guy of abundant grace and abundant peace. And how does that abundant grace and peace come to us? It comes to us through our knowledge of Him. It comes to us through the hose pipe through which abundant grace and peace comes to us is through our knowledge of Him. It's like having a nice healthy artery that pumps that blood to the rest of your body. That artery, that knowledge of Him allows that abundant grace and abundant peace to flow. The word knowledge there in the Greek is epignosos and it literally means an experiential knowledge, a first-hand experiential knowledge. Probably the better English word would be to say that grace and peace are ours in abundance through the knowing of Him. Through the knowing of him. That's a bit of a different, that's a better word, isn't it? It's not like just head knowledge. I went to theological college and I got a certificate. I've got knowledge. No, it's through our knowing of him. Everything, all grace and all peace can come to you through knowing him, which is why one of the reasons you've heard me say over and over again, our main purpose in life is to know him. Our main purpose in life is to know God in genuine, authentic, intimate reality, your ultimate purpose in life is to know Him. And out of knowing Him, you will then worship Him and serve Him and love Him and honour Him and speak with Him and communicate for Him and, and, and obey Him and blah de blah blah All those are implications, applications and outworking of first knowing Him. We know Him, or in, to use a Genesis term, we walk with Him before we worship Him. We walk with Him before we work with Him. We walk with Him. You read the Old Testament in the opening chapters and that's the phrase it uses when it speaks about Noah and Enoch and Adam. These were men who walked with God. Isn't that a great phrase? They walked with Him and out of walking with Him, they then worked with Him but it was relationship before partnership. Relationship before partnership and grace and yours, grace and peace, sorry, is multiplied to you through your knowing Him. Knowing God is the most important thing you could do. Pursuing the person of Jesus is number one when it comes to putting first things first. Let's keep going. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowing of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Gee, God must be really impressed with me to call me. No, no, no. God called you because He's good, not because you were. God called you because He was good and He was glorious. Through these, 
He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through these promises you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. One of the things I want to encourage you to do as you read the Bible is to read it slowly. Think about that phrase. He has called me to participate in the divine nature. By his glory and goodness, he's given me promises and through those promises, I participate in the divine nature. It doesn't just mean that I know who he is, but I become like him, like father, like son. I partner with him, not only in his purposes, but in his nature. I become like my dad. I participate in his very nature. How awesome is that? That word participation is a working term, but it also sometimes is just translated fellowship. We fellowship with his nature and we participate in his nature. That is a very powerful thing. Again, we, work, we walk with him and then we work with him. Who he is, we become as our dad rubs off on us. And I'll have more to say about that next week. Because there's one aspect of his nature that we actually want to focus on as a church this year. In the beginning, God created. Two aspects of God's nature revealed there. In the beginning, God, which means he is eternal. And in the beginning, God created which means he is the eternal creator. The first thing God tells us about himself is that he always has been and he always has been a creator. And one of the aspects about participating in his nature is that he empowers and inspires us to create, to create things, to create music, to create art, to leave something behind on the planet that wasn't there before. And that's a bit of a prophetic theme we'll start speaking about next week, about participating in the divine nature means in part to create. Anyone a little bit excited? That, oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Should we just keep reading? See, this is how you meant to read the Bible. You read and then you talk to yourself. You ask my family. I talk to myself all the time. Verse 5. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith seven things. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. In other words, grow up. For if you possess these qualities... Oh, let me just say a bit more about that. Firstly, our priority is to know him. And in knowing him, we are to grow in him. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Look, by his great and precious promises and by his goodness, God has called you and he's done awesome stuff for you. Now take that faith that you have in him, that gift that he gave you of faith and add these qualities to it. Mature, become like him. These, after all, these seven virtues are seven virtues of what God is like. Yeah? Verse 8, let's see what happens when we do this. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective 
and unproductive in your knowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a good sign, isn't it? This actually says that it's possible to be unproductive in our relationship with God. This actually says that it is possible for us to be ineffective in our knowing of Him. That like that artery, our knowledge of Him that pumps blood, if that artery is restricted and restricted and restricted, it cannot actually not be as effective as what it could be. So he says, listen, take what God's given you, add to it, add these things, pursue maturity, pursue growth in Him, because as you grow in Him, you will increasingly become more effective and more productive. And that, you've got to say, is a good thing. Next verse. But whoever does not have these qualities is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I love this verse. Nick, go back, previous verse, verse 9. Whoever does not have them has forgotten they've been cleansed from their past sins. Our calling in life is to know Him and to show Him to others, but between knowing and showing is growing. Between knowing and showing is growing. And I want to be one who grows in my knowing of God this year. I want to be one who realises that, hey, as I grow in my knowing of Him, multiplied grace and multiplied peace keeps coming into my life. And as I grow in my knowing of Him, as I know Him, grow in Him, I will more effectively show Him and become fruitful and productive in my life. And I want that. Someone agree with that? You go, yeah, I want that. I'll take that. I'll have what He's having. Okay, put it on your list too. That's good. I'll have that. Okay, so. But this is a funny key. While these verses, while adding these things to our faith, faith is about what I have today. I add these things because I have a hope of being more effective. But people who do not have hope of being more effective in the future and therefore don't add to what they have today, it's because they've forgotten what God's done for them in the past. People who do not add to what they have today because they have a hope for the future, one of the reasons people stop growing is because they forget what God has done for them in the past. They forget they've been cleansed from their past sin. So I will give myself to looking into a future where I want to become more effective and productive in God. I will do that by understanding the faith I have today is as precious as what the apostles have. But I tell you what I'm going to do if I'm going to do that is I'm going to make sure I never forget what Jesus did for me in the past at Calvary. Because these three things remain, faith for today, hope for tomorrow, but the greatest of these things is love. I love because He first, and I know He loved me because while we were still sinners, He gave His Son to die for me. And so I never forget as I'm looking forward into my future to keep my eye on that rear vision mirror and remember it's all because of the cross. It's all because. So we can celebrate communion today. And we're not just remembering the past, we are recalling that into our now. But in the Passover, the reason that the Israelites had the Passover, they were thanked God for what they had today. They had their tunics tucked in because the next day they were going to go on a journey in the future. But it was remembering who they were, their identity in the past, what God has done for us. We are the people of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The Christian life, if you want to grow, you must... Keep putting your roots down and be grounded in the reality of what God has done for you in the past.
because that doesn't change. And when you get discouraged and don't, not even sure whether you've got faith for today, we all know what that's like, when you can't even feel any kind of hope for the future, and we all know what's that like, because we don't know what's in the future all the time, what we are absolutely sure of is what happened in the past. And whatever you feel today and whatever you fear tomorrow, what you, I know an absolute fact is that in the past, Jesus died for you when you didn't deserve it. That's how he showed his love for you. And that will never change. Do not forget you have been cleansed from your past sins because when you forget the awesomeness of the gospel, you will not grow into the future. All right? Please remember. Please remember what he has done for you in the past. The key of having a positive and hopeful vision of a future is having a grateful and grace-filled view of my past. Next verse. What are we up to? Verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. These early apostles are always putting God's people's minds on what lasts forever. Verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I take solace in that. I think Peter must have repeated some sermons, so I don't feel that bad. In fact, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I'll soon put it aside, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. In fact, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you'll always be able to remember these things. One of the things those of you who followed me on YouTube this year know is that when I started reading the Bible last year from beginning to end, one of the things I was focused on is the developing view that the, pitch, the Bible paints of the afterlife. What does the afterlife look like? What's the developing narrative or the developing revelation of the afterlife? I had one, that in my mind as I was reading. And while there's a lot of things that are unclear to me and that I'm not quite convinced of in, about or concerning the afterlife, one thing I'm sure of, in the Old Testament era, God's people did not want to die. David, when he faced death, cried out to God and said, God, for heaven's sake, so to speak, don't let me die. Because in fact, David didn't go to heaven when he died. He went to a place called Sheol, a place called death, and he didn't want to go there. I don't want to go down to Sheol. I don't want to go to death. The Sheol was gripping for me and trying to grab me and drag me down, but I called out to God to deliver me. You come to the other side of the cross and guys like Peter and Paul have a totally different view. They're like, the time of my departure is coming and quite frankly, I'm quite excited about it. Paul says, while I'm here on this planet, I've got a job to do. I love you and I'm going to come and visit you. So, you know, whatever. But I actually would rather go to be with Jesus if it was up to me. So in the New Testament, the apostles have a very different attitude towards death. And here's the other funny thing I noticed. They don't even use the word death. Both Peter and Paul use this word, departure. They don't say in the New Testament, I'm going to die. They just say, I'm going to depart. Because death is separation from life. And you do not have that if you have Jesus. Because you have eternal life. I'll never be separated from life because I'll never be separated from God. Therefore, I will never die. I'll just leave this body behind, that's all. I'll just depart this, this tent that I've got, as handsome as it is. I will just 
depart it one day because I won't need it anymore. Jesus said, those who believe in me will never die. Well, hang on, is he preaching physical immortality? No, stop thinking about the physical. Jesus always had this issue with people. Stop thinking about the physical. (laughs) I'm talking about this relational reality, an eternal covenant reality. And Peter says here, I have a tent that I wear, and one day I'm going to leave it. If you're a believer in Jesus, why there's a lot of uncertainties for me about certain aspects of the afterlife, this one thing I know for sure. Paul said, as long as I'm here in this body, I'm here for you. But if I leave it, I'm going to be with Jesus. If I depart, I will be with Christ, which is better for me by far. Leaving this body, you will not die. You will just leave one body and be with Jesus for eternity if you have faith in him. And that's pretty good news. That was a bit morbid, wasn't it? No, it's not at all. Verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. What's that talking about? Starts with a T. Transfiguration. Okay, well done, Bible students. It's talking about the transfiguration. And he says there in verse 19 now, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. So pay attention to it as a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Paul says that what happened at the transfiguration when Jesus appeared and next to him Moses and Elijah rocked up, okay, they heard a message there that was a prophetic message. Okay, that, that previous verse we read, so we had that prophetic message made certain. There was a prophetic message spoken at that event. Jesus says it, it was a vision at that event. Get to the point, Chad. At the transfiguration, they heard something and they saw something that was a prophetic promise for something to come in the future. What did they see at transfiguration? Moses, Jesus and Elijah. Peter, the guy writing this letter, said, this is awesome, we should build a monument for each of you so that this moment can last forever. That'd be cool. Tourists can come and see it later on. Jesus, Elijah, Moses, that'd be awesome, we'll we'll build a monument. No sooner does he say those words than he falls to his face. Under the glory of God, they hear a voice thunder, this is my son. And Peter picks himself up off the ground and looks up and from that moment, all he saw was Jesus. It's a prophetic picture, a prophetic message that the jurisdiction of the law and the prophets was coming to an end and that all God's people would need is Jesus. Jesus only. He said, we have this message made certain for us. And then we come to verse 20. Above all. Above all. Say above all. Come on. That's our series, remember. First things first. Seek first the kingdom. Above all, guard your heart. First of all, pray for all people. Above all, please understand, prophecy of Scripture has never come about by the prophet's own interpretation. 
because it doesn't have its origin in humans. But prophets, though they are human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. When seeking to apply a lot of things you read in the Bible, it's important to understand the specific truth it's talking about, but behind every specific truth, there's a general truth that you can apply to life. So specifically, here he's talking about Old Testament prophets, but the general, proof, uh, the general truth behind that is, as I said right at the start, God chooses to partner with people. And above all, you must understand, God, who can do whatever the heck he wants, has decided to speak and work through humans who are willing to submit and be carried along by His Holy Spirit. It is another way of saying, partner in the divine nature. Partnership in the divine nature. From the beginning of this chapter to the end, there is a theme here about cooperating and partnering with God as to who He is. Chad, what's your point? Well, I'm not a one-point preacher, so you're getting three. (laughs) Partnering with God is about walking with Him. We walk with Him, we worship Him, and we work with Him. We walk with Him, relationship, we worship Him, and we work with Him. And we know how to do this when we commit ourselves to being grateful to the past, because it's only because of the cross that we can know Him intimately anyway, and we give ourselves hope for the future and commit ourselves to growing in what He's given us. I commit myself to growing in what He's given me. In fact, this letter of Peter finishes with this great verse. It's one of my favourites. This is the last verse of 2 Peter. He says to his readers, but grow but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That very, that very knowledge that gives me everything I need for life, that very knowing of Him that gives me grace and peace in abundance through my knowledge of Him, you have it, it's been given to you, now grow in that grace. Walk with Him, worship Him and work with Him. Well, Chad, how can I grow in grace? How can I commit myself to moving on and maturing and growing in the things He's given me. Number one, God gives you His Spirit. Commit yourself to being someone who wants to grow more intimately with Holy Spirit this year, pursuing first the presence of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will teach you all things. Whatever I've left unsaid, or whatever you quite haven't got yet, guys, Holy Spirit, He'll take over And he'll teach you what you need to know. So get to know him. You you will grow in your knowledge of God by knowing Holy Spirit. And today that might be just a simple request of speaking to him and letting him know you want to know him more. Secondly, we grow in our knowledge of God through the saints, through other people. Because other people understand things about God that you don't. No? Who's humble enough to know that other people know stuff that you don't? Who also realises that it's not just that people know stuff that you don't, but by hanging out with people, you see an aspect of God that you may never have seen. 
I might know Jay as a wife, but when I sit around a dining room table, we had a great family chat the other night and all the kids were there, it doesn't happen all the time, all the kids, we've only got four, but the four kids were there, we had this great family conversation and what that does when I'm hanging out in community is it helps me to see an aspect of Jay that I couldn't see on my own because I see her as a mum. And if it was just me and Jay, I would never see that. So you and Jesus is awesome. Get to know Him. Get to know Holy Spirit. That's fantastic. But when you're talking with Him in community, when you actually cooperate with community, it's not just that you learn about that person from my kids, but being in that environment of community, I see an aspect of God that I would not otherwise see if it was just me and Him on, on my own. Well, that's interesting. So actually we learn, we grow in our knowledge of God through our experiences with the saints, through our experiences with other people. Yes, God gives you the Holy Spirit so I can personally experience Him and know Him better myself. But God also gives us, secondly, the saints so that we can grow in our knowing of Him through our relationship in community. And maybe this year, you need to say, Lord, help me be involved in community. I actually want to be and surround myself with people who are going to teach me and help me see aspects of God that I'm just not going to get on my own because I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I've got it all together. But together we've got it all. I grow in my knowing of Him through the Spirit. I grow in my knowing of Him through the saints. And I grow in my knowing of Him through the Scripture. And I want to finish with this. I told you I'll come full circle. I want to do what I did 12 months ago and encourage you to read through the Bible to sink your teeth into this revealed truth this year. There's numbers of ways you can do that. And what I did last year and what a hand, good handful of people here did and also other people that aren't part of this church as it turns out is we read through the Bible in a chronological fashion where we took big chunks of Scripture and sat down and read the Scripture in big portions to get the overall flow of the book. Last year, every week, I dedicated myself to not only reading, but to creating a tutorial, a lesson for people a week ahead to say, listen, this is what you're going to be reading about this week. The book of Judges, it's all about this. Okay? The book of Kings, it's doing this, and this prophet is doing this. Now we're reading this story. Keep in mind that when you read this, this is happening. And over the year, on our YouTube channel, we acquired 55 videos, hours and hours and hours and hours of Bible teaching to help people read through the Bible for themselves. It's not about devotional reading. It's not about what to reflect on. It's not about doctrine. I'm not trying to persuade people to any particular view, but it's about guiding people to read the Bible for themselves. Because the greatest thing a teacher can do is not just teach truth, but teach you how to teach yourself. Feed it, give a man a fish, all that stuff, okay? How many of you know that's what our kids need? We were just talking with friends about this the other day. What's far more important to me, came, when we had that family conversation the other day, what's far more important to me for my kids is not even to teach them what's right and wrong, but is to teach them to critically think about the world for themselves, so that they know when they're watching TV. They know when they're sitting in a classroom and hearing something. They know when they see a video on YouTube. They know when they read a blog that they can actually critically analyse and think for themselves. That's one of the best things I think that teachers we can do for our kids to help them think in a healthy way. That's what I want to do in helping people read through the Bible. I want to invite Joan and Paula and Craig 
who all shared with me this week what this last 12 months has meant for them. Why don't you guys come? Joan, where are you? Jake, can I just have, or Rob, can I just have that mic? Just come up on the side, guys, because we'll need people to be able to see you. Thanks, Rob. These, were just, these are just a few guys who read through the whole Bible with me this year on YouTube. And one of the, my favourite things was Joan. I'm going to start with her. Ladies first, mate. Age before... No, um, beauty... No. Um, one, one of the things that Joan said to me, she said, I've been reading the Bible for 65 years, almost every day, and reading it through last year with our tutorials just reminded her you can always learn something. What, why should people read through the Bible in a year? What, what did you get out of last year? The thing that I got out of it mostly was the big picture. Uh, and it was mainly, I couldn't have done it if it hadn't been for Chad's weekly input. I have to say that I would have given up, especially when we got to the prophets. After week after week of miserable prophecies and, and that, but Chad's weekly commitment to providing the video gave us, told us what to look for and everything. I learned new things. I've got questions that came up that I still haven't worked out the answers for, but it was the, the overall picture. I've read the Bible before completely, but not at one period and not chronologically, which was such a big difference doing it that way, because we saw the picture, we saw what happened. And even coming into the New Testament, I learned more about how to apply that from learning something of the historical background. Fantastic. Thanks, Joan. <laughs> Paula? Um, I, too, I guess, wanted to... Um, uh, to, to just say that I saw something of the big picture, but also that I found out how scripture dovetails, um, how the, book dove, the books of the scripture dovetail into each other, which was something I'd never noticed before when I read a bit here and a bit there. And it's, you know, for instance, when you're reading the book of Kings and something happened there, and then we had to read a particular book of the Psalms, and you see that's David's reaction to what happened. And then you might also get a prophet's commentary on the same thing. So scripture is, is a complete picture. Mm. It's one book. It's, it's all about Jesus from the beginning right to the end. And like Joan, I just can't speak highly enough of the value of Chad's tutorials. When he was saying hours and hours, they aren't hours and hours long. They're only about 10, 10 to 13 minutes long, each one. They're very succinct, very brief, but they just give you an overview of what to look for, and they were a mine of information for me. So thank you, Chad. I, I got so much out of them. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Thanks, Paula. <laughs> Come on, Craig. Um, came up with a bit of a routine. Saturday morning, I'd be lying in bed, have my coffee, and Chad would be there with me uh, <laughs> on the video. In, in um, bed with Craig on a Saturday that's morning. Right. And uh, it was, it was uh, something I really looked forward to on a Saturday morning, actually. <laughs> I must admit, Chad, you're a good bedfellow. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, 
it was something that I just wanted to do. I really wanted to achieve reading the Bible through and I'd tried a number of times and I'd failed dismally every time, you know, basically got to Deuteronomy and, oh gosh, you know, that's it and, <laughs> and just failed. So it just made it achievable for me to have it broken down chronologically into bite-sized portions and it provided it some accountability to me too. I wanted to be able to keep up. Uh, you know, these, this was the portion that I needed to read that week and it just provided that accountability. I knew other people were doing it um, and also I had some insights from you on the video. I love the, the historical context. Um, there were a couple of extra videos there on historical context, which I love. My, my old man was a, a history teacher um, and uh, that really helped me. And the narrative kept me enthused. Um, I, I love a story. And, and being able to read it as a narrative was terrific too. And, and just the last thing was it just helped me develop further uh, just a personal um, quiet time routine. Uh, you know, before I would go to bed, a couple of chapters in the morning, before I'd go to school, a couple of chapters, and it really helped develop that, that regular quiet time routine, um, which is really helpful. So thanks, mate. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And well done. <laughs> and I... I do feel that we, we should print out a certificate for us or something, you know, put it on your wall. I think it would be good to do that. Uh, that's right, that's right, a really good one. Um, if you'd like to do that, there are, there are different programs and other people have tried other ones before. There are ways that you can read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, three chapters a day. We haven't done ours like that. We broke it down for a weekly reading. This week you read... Vroom, that amount of scripture and you can do it basically at your own pace and as I said we break down the Bible within reason uh, so that you can read chronologically and see exactly how Psalms and Prophets dovetail into the actual storyline which just helps you understand it a whole, a whole lot more. In our foyer as you leave today um, there are a printout, a paper printout with a chronological Bible reading plan, 51 weeks, you get a free week in there, okay? It's not quite a year, 51 weeks of, of readings, you can take one of them or go on our Facebook page and you'll, you'll find one there. Um, all those tutorials are now on YouTube, uh, on Bayside Church International's YouTube, on its own playlist and we feel like we'll, we'll keep that there for as, as long as they're being used and as long as is, is necessary. So, if that's something that encourages you and inspires you today, there's obviously some people, there's others here that have done it as well, uh, why don't you consider doing that this year? Three ways you can grow in your knowing of Him. Acquaint yourself with Holy Spirit, hang around the saints and get into the Scriptures so that you can walk with Him, worship Him and work with Him because participating in the divine nature, the privilege and the priority of partnering with God, knowing what He's doing, His will and His ways, how He does it, is one of the essential things that I feel we should put first, above all, partner with heaven. Can you stand to your feet? I, I don't know everyone here today and it's very normal for us, let me just say, to have um, people not only visit our church because they're on holidays, but also come to church for the very first time. People have never been to church before, and who come to our services. And that's awesome. Uh, if you're here and that's your situation, we're super proud of you for coming to a foreign environment. We all know what that's like when you go to a, a new place for the first time. And we trust that you felt um, your time's been well spent here today. But for most of us in this room, I do know that we have a relationship with God. We do walk with Him. We know what it's like. We were nodding, even in our in, inside, going, mm, yeah, that's awesome. We know what it means to walk with God. But if you're here today and you don't, 
you don't actually know what it means to walk with God. You might have gone to Sunday school as a kid and you might have seen, you know, the Passion movie or whatever, but you don't actually know what it's like to actually walk with Him, to have a relationship with God like you've got with your friends, you know. I actually know God. I know what it is to truly worship Him. I know what it is to cooperate and work with Him. If that's not your story yet, but that interests you, I'd love to pray for you today. Because knowing Jesus is the most important thing. In fact, Jesus himself said, it's only by knowing God that we can have eternal life. That's why it's so important. The only guarantee of life eternal is knowing Jesus. And he has put out a free invitation that you can either accept or reject. But I want to encourage you to accept it today. And just while you're looking at me, and while I'm looking out, is there someone here today who you've never accepted the invitation to know him? And you'd like to do that today. I'd really love to talk with you and pray with you when we're all having coffee and whatever later on. If that's you, can you just put your hand up and I'll come and see you after the service. You say, yeah, I, I want to accept his invitation to know God. I don't really know him, but I'd like to. You just put your hand up and just show me who you are today. No one yet? Okay, three, two, one. Okay, if you're watching this video, if you're listening to this audio and you want to know Jesus, I encourage you, press into him. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to reveal himself to you as both Lord, as your leader, and as saviour, as your lover, as a friend. And I trust that he will do that for you. And then come talk to us or contact us and we can talk you through some more details. Who's glad they came today? Why don't you... If someone's near you, want you to take their hand if you know them well enough to do that. Dad, we thank you so much for the incredible privilege of being called by your glory and your goodness. We thank you for the privilege of undeserved grace, favour and love. And we're so grateful that you have, past tense, forgiven us of all our sin. We rejoice in the cross and all its divine achievements today. Lord, we thank you also for the privilege of knowing you today and growing in our knowledge of you. And I pray for this person on my left, I pray for this person on my right, that by your Holy Spirit, by their relationships with others, and by seeing you in your word, they would come to know you more. They would grow in their knowing of you. That they would be productive and effective in their life. I bless them this morning and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing a mighty work in and through them. I believe this and thank you for this. In Jesus' name. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au and of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.